Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. All right, Binge Talkers, we are super excited to bring you all the way from Portland, Oregon, uh, the owner, creator of the sports bra, sports bar, Jenny Nien. Did I pronounce that correctly? Sure. Yeah. I just tell people win because it's very sport-like, like win, lose, or draw. But yeah, winning. I love it. And <laughs> as you are, I'm hoping to hear all about how you are winning. So welcome to the Bitch Talk, Jenny. Uh, introduce our audience to the sports bra. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Um, yeah, so my name is Jenny Wynn. I'm the owner founder of The Sports Bra. Uh, we're the world's only, first and only uh, women's sports bar. Um, and so I guess the easiest way to describe it is it's a bar for women's sports. Um, we show only women's sports on TV. Uh, we have a bunch of memorabilia, things hanging on the wall, and things like that, uh, flags. And they're all for women's sports or female athletes. Um, and then a lot of the things that we procure here uh, from our beef to our booze uh, is from small women-owned or operated businesses. Um, not all of it, but we, that's what we're trying to aim for. I, I love it. Top to bottom, supporting women. I love it. Yeah. yeah. No. And that's our motto no. is we, we support women. And it's funny. And it's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I want to go back in time. You play basketball almost your entire life, really, mm-hmm. up until was it 18 that you tore your ACL? I was 19 when 19. I tore my ACL. Yeah. Um, but I was able to recover and like uh, did a lot of PT and continued to play ball all the way through uh, my you know adulthood. And I played until like the day I opened the sports bra and I haven't played since. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll get back to it. I think you but will. in a very casual way, not yeah. like um, semi competitive or anything like that way that I was before. But I do love the story of you, you cooked, you like to cook and it just kind of grew and you turned that into a profession. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, I, I picked up a basketball when I was about five years old and I wanted to dribble and I, I started playing basketball then. And I tried playing other sports because uh, I thought it might be, you know, I might be like athletic in other ways, but I just didn't like it as much. So I always gravitated back to that, to basketball. And um, basketball was really a great way for me to fit in. Um, in a lot of ways, I was different from a lot of folks around here. I was born and raised here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's very white. Yep. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, go- I knew I was queer from a very young age. And so being able to kind of use basketball as um, just a way to make friends and kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a crutch or just more of a safety net of uh, sport um in a way that it like kind of levels the playing field nobody really asks those questions or cares that much about where you come from or you know uh what your sexual preferences are when you're on a team and all your all your goal is is to perform as a team and make baskets and things like that so sport was really um kind of a lifesaver for me it feels like in a lot of ways and it was uh my identity was really wrapped up in basketball it was kind of who i was everybody knew me as like um the basketball player 
And when I blew out my ACL when I was 19, it was really devastating for me because I had really wrapped up who I was and my value in that. And so um, when I went off to college, it was a really difficult time for me. And I found that while I was um, cooking in the communal kitchen that was uh, attached to my dorm room, um, that was when I like had the most similar feeling to when I was on a basketball court where like you kind of get in that zone, time disappears, all of your worries and everything kind of just drift into the background. And like I would lose hours in the kitchen and um it wasn't until then that I was like, oh, I really like this. Um, so I started to, uh, you know, test out recipes and cook on my own. And then eventually I decided I wanted to go to culinary school and make it a career. And I started from the bottom and uh, worked my way up to an executive chef. Uh, to, and I spent about 15 years in the back of the house as a, as a cook. I love that story because it's it's so nice to hear that you, there is an ability to find a passion for something something else that can fulfill that part of you and you you can't you don't notice the connection outwardly but it does it's creative it's expressive um and and anybody that has ever gone to a bar I think at one point in time has said I want to open a bar myself like, I mean everybody <laughs> has said those words and yeah. thinks they can uh, yeah. but now mm -hmm. fast forward to this moment you're, you're an executive mm -hmm. chef how does that transfer into being now a proprietor of a bar and mm -hmm. uh is it as difficult and as crazy as as one would expect yeah um that's a great question uh so while I was a chef I was really good at it. And so people often ask me, Hey, Jenny, when are you going to break out and open your own place? And I was like, there's absolutely no way I would ever do that. Like, I don't love anything enough to sacrifice my life like that. I know how much work it is, how much dedication it is. And I just love my free time too much for that. Like, mm -mm, no way I'd rather work for the man, you know, and just let somebody else worry about all that stuff. Um, and so it was never a thought to me to do that. Cause I just, you know, like, I just, I like to hang out, you know, I like to chill. Um, but it wasn't until I got this idea about the sports bra. And then I really felt like I wanted to make an impact in the community. There was a lot of, you know, turmoil was when in 2020 mm -hmm. was when I started to really brainstorm, uh, how, um, how I can make an impact with like my background. I, I really felt like I had something to offer, but I wasn't sure what that was. Um, and so once the idea of the sports bra came around, I was just like, Oh God, like, these are like the two things that have been the most important things in my life. And it's like the perfect marriage of the two. And I felt so passionate about it. And like the idea that I could open it in my hometown, um, it just felt like the perfect storm for me. And I was really motivated uh, for the first time in my life to do something like larger than me and larger than anything that I'd ever um, dreamt about before. And so um, it was extremely frightening. I, uh, feel like, you know, uh, having been a chef for a while, all of those little things that uh, a chef knows how to do, um, but all of that stuff is on the other side of the wall, you know, um, about 99% of it is on this side of the wall, which I knew nothing about. And so uh, kind of my first step in figuring out how I wanted to go about this was uh, admitting that I didn't know anything and that I would need help. Um, and so to reach out and find as much help from as many people as possible. Thinking about this during 2020 is very different mm -hmm. than opening in 2022. Can you talk about that road and the journey? And also, was it something like once you spoke it, things started happening for you? 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that was easy, but just saying like, mm-hmm. if you're saying it out loud and you're having conversations. Was it like, okay, well, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in 2020, I started to kind of think about it, but it wasn't until 2021 that it was just like, I, I would wake up thinking about it. I would go to bed thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where, you know, it's super scary. I had been unemployed for about five years prior. And so it was basically going from zero to like, I don't know, a thousand miles an hour. Um, and so it was super scary, but it also, it, I basically sat back and thought, um, okay, so what happens if I don't do this? Um, and then how would I feel if somebody else did it? And would they do it the way I would have done it? And um, I just, it's almost like uh, it was easier for me to think of it as a, uh, like a life, like a life or like a being. And, uh, I had created this idea or this being, and that it was my duty to take care of it. Um, and I was just like, do I not want to take care of it? And do I let somebody else take care of it? And I just could not, that was like the turning point for me. I was like, I could not imagine someone else other than me doing it, you know? Um, and so I was just like, I want to give it a shot. And like, if I'm going to try this, like if I'm going to have this being go into the world, I'm going to give it the absolute best shot that I can. And it will require everything that I have. Um, and, and I just made up my mind. Um, but that was a long process because uh, I knew it was going to sacrifice a lot of, you know, what was, what was my comfort, um, my relationships, um, all of my free, like all, everything was going to change. I knew that um, I didn't realize how until, you know, now things are, a lot different than I had imagined they would be seven months in. Um, so yeah, it was super scary, but once I kind of made up my mind, I'm also one of those people where once I make up my mind, it's done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I'm going to go all in, um, no turning back. Uh, and so it was just a matter of how I was going to convince myself to get over that hump. Um, and I think, you know, there's no right or wrong answer for anybody when it comes to these decisions. It's just, just knowing what the consequences are for this choice and what the consequences are for this choice and then deciding to live with that choice. Um, so, yeah. I think that is an important lesson. Um, no matter what you do, it's going to be difficult. So just make sure you love what you're doing, because if you don't get, get the fuck out now, right. right. It's just, <laughs> right. It, Cause yeah. you have to love it for those hard times in order to make it through them. Um, 100%. Yeah. But, but, when it comes to difficulty, there's the regular difficulty of opening a restaurant slash bar first time owner, but you have this additional pressure of being the first of something, which adds, there's so much craze, which is, which is exciting. There's, there's still people want to come from all over the country to visit, but Mm -hmm. that also comes with additional pressure and, and it's a, it's a completely different concept. So I'm sure people are walking Mm -hmm. in off the streets not really knowing what they're entering. And I'm curious to see what kind of feedback you're getting from people that don't really know what they're entering. And, and when you explain to them what's going on. Totally. Um, yeah. And to, to your first point, like when I was planning on opening, you know, my business plan and writing, you know, uh, performers and all that stuff, it was just like, okay, this is uh, what your traditional bar and restaurant open to. This is how you plan for it. You go with a skeleton crew at first, and then you hire as uh, your customer base builds up. And then as, um, as we got closer to our opening date, I was starting to realize that, you know, the traction was getting to be a lot and everybody was talking about it. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if we're going to have the opposite happen of what a traditional bar and restaurant is. And sure enough, like we opened to 
like what felt like thousands of people. Um, there was four hour wait like all weekend long. And uh, it was basically the opposite of everything that I'd ever read about an opening, you know, like you open to nobody crickets. And then you kind of just hope that you, know, you gain a reputation. And for us, it was the opposite. And so, yes, opening a bar and restaurant in and of itself is extremely difficult. And my hat's off to every single person who's ever done a small business on their own. Um, and saying on their own is not accurate at all. Nobody does it on their own. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people help me. Um, but to open to uh, like, like what feels like hysteria or a craze or like mad hype was uh, something that I don't, I don't know if I expected, I, I blacked out that whole weekend. Like I don't, I hardly remember like mm -hmm. anything. Like I just, I had to shut it down so that I could get through it and then, and then kind of be like, okay, how are we going <laughs> to, how are we going to reopen on Wednesday? Um, and how are we going to move forward? Uh, but like, I, the reactions from people, like the very first people to walk through the door all the way until the people who just came in on Sunday, um, when it's people's first time or second time or third time, or they bring in somebody new, people's reactions are also different. Uh, whether it's, you know, spinning in circles with their camera, uh, doing a live stream, <laughs> or, uh, you know, they want to hug me and cry and just, we cry together, mm. um, to just awe and fascination and wanting to like, look at every single piece of decor or, uh, memorabilia. Uh, it, it is just it is, it is so heartwarming and fulfilling to have created a space that resonates with so many different people on so many different levels. And I mean, I opened the spot uh, for women's sports fans. Like I thought that this was like a niche market. Um, but the majority of people who come in here are not women or are not sports fans or not a combination of either. Uh, it's just, it's become something that's a lot larger than, um, just a women's sports bar. It's become like a place that represents like the possibilities of what can be when we put intentionality first. Um, so yeah, I think all of those things are probably the most rewarding is, is like the most surprising thing about it and is probably why it's the most rewarding thing about it. I want to talk a little bit about food. Um, and also I saw that your mom was on your Instagram uh, mm -hmm page and she I don't know if she's she's really helping you sort through merch but I love that um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um it seems like it might be a little bit of a family-run business and also I want to talk about some of the um, menu items you put on there um, that are Vietnamese family recipes do you mind talking about both oh not at all so when I first so I'm an only child um and when I first told my parents about the idea they like shot it down right out of the sky um of like they hated it <laughs> yeah. um you know, mom was like, uh, you know, if you want to open a place, why don't you open a pho restaurant, you know, something normal, something that's been tried and true. Uh, she was just like, I first told her like the whole concept and she was just like, the very first thing she said was, are you sure right now is the right time to open a lesbian bar? And I was like, at no point did I say that it was a lesbian bar, but mom just like drew the correlations right away. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was hilarious. Um, but like for my dad, he's a, uh, he's chronically a worst case scenario guy. Like, uh, if, if I were going to go to like Seattle, he would like pull out an article from two weeks ago and be like, Oh, there was a shooting in Seattle. Watch out. Um, so when I told him about the idea, he, he the very first thing he thought of was, um, like hate crimes, you know, or like what men would say or think or whatever repercussions there might be for a place that, 
uh, was the first of its kind to do something uh, kind of boundary pushing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, it was a lot of fear based stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm kind of used to that from my parents when I've made large decisions in my life. And uh, it, it didn't make it any harder. It was tough to hear um, that the people closest to me weren't supportive of it. But I knew it came from a place of love and like just fear. Um, and, uh, so they, they kept trying to push against it. And I was like, listen, like, I hear you guys, but I want you to know that no matter what you say or do, I'm doing this like with or without you. Um, and then as soon as, uh, the Kickstarter hit and the first articles kind of started to come out and like things just really ramped up, like there was no turning back. Um, that was when they realized along with me that, you know, maybe, maybe the sports bra was, there was a possibility that it could be successful. Um, Cause until that moment, I, I didn't know, you know, I was hoping that people would think it was a good idea, but um, there was no knowing it until uh, that happened. And then once that happened, they completely 180 and they've been nothing but supportive. And mom actually works every single day here with me. Um, well works, <laughs> she brings me fresh squeezed juice every day. Uh, she uh-huh. helps do like, she rotates the bread. We get a couple fresh deliveries of bread every day. Oh. And so she rotates first in first out. Um, she used to be a bank teller, like when, uh, when I was growing up, when I was little, so she's great with money. So she counts out the tips. Oh, um, yeah. And to make sure that there's enough twenties and fives and tens and ones and stuff. So she does like all those little cute little things. Um, and then she, she's become like the restaurant mom, like for real, everybody here calls her mom. Everybody calls my dad, dad, dad comes in once a week and we make, we keep a list of like, um, things that need like the screws loose or we're missing a hook over here, or I'd love to hang this, um, you know, this Jersey up and dad will come in once a week and he'll just bang out the list and like tinker, you know? So, uh, yeah, they're very background. I would, I wouldn't consider it a family run business at all. Um, but they're definitely around and they're extremely supportive. Now. Can That's you, so sweet. Yeah, go ahead. Just, I, can you talk about some of the menu items that are oh, yeah, recipes? Right. Cause yes. I, I like to eat. So sure. 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 <laughs> I mean, don't we all shoot? Yeah. We should all at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, uh, there's my mom's baby back ribs is, um, an appetizer on the menu and it's based on my mom's pecan recipe. Uh, which is a braised pork dish. So when my mom makes it, she uses pork shoulder and it's like cut up and braised in like a pot uh, with hard boiled eggs. And so for this dish, I, I basically used the recipe word for word for word as hers, but I changed it to baby back ribs and then omitted the eggs. Um, but it is delectable. It's like finger licking good, falls off the bone. Mm. Mm. Uh, like my mouth's watering thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, we also have, uh, aunt Tina's Vietnam wings, which I named after my aunt Tina, who she brings her, uh, her air fryer wings to every party, no matter what it is. Like if you're having an Italian party, she's bringing her wings. Like it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) so she gave me her recipe and I actually, uh, R and D did, I tried it here and we could not get it to work. And so we ended up changing the entire recipe, but I'd already printed all the menus. And so like a week before we opened, I invited her in to eat them. And uh, I, I just wanted to get her sign off on it because I was just like, oh, God, it's got your name on it. Like, I hope you like <laughs> these. And she like finished the whole plate and she like licked her fingers and she looked at me like super deadpan. And she was just like, these are better than mine. 
<laughs> and oh, I don't, Aunt Tina. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's true. I think she was just saying that it's a different style altogether. But she basically signed off on it, and so uh, it's named after her. It was really inspired by her, but it's not exactly her recipe. It, it, her recipe just wouldn't work because she uses an air fryer, right? And it uh, it destroyed our deep fryer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but it was really important for me to you know a kind of the a main a running theme for the sports bra is that we take what's traditional and we just tweak it just the tiniest bit. Um, and it's to show that like, we have these really gigantic problems in the world, right? Uh, and when you try to look at it in the grand, grand scheme of things, it feels completely impossible. Um, but when you think about the tiniest tweaks to like the status quo or what is, has been the norm and you make those small changes, it's those small changes and like thousands of them that really are what's driving uh, the world forward. And so we did that with the name where we just switched two letters around. Yep. We do that with the TV where we just change a channel. Uh, we do that with our beer and our wine and our spirits and where our food is coming from. We just, we, we make it intentional uh, that we want to support women in the food and beverage industries. Cause again, that's a male dominated field. Um, and I thought about that because as a chef, I witnessed it firsthand daily. Um, and then yeah. And so with the menu, it's very, you look at it and it's very familiar. It's burgers, nachos, tater tots, wings. Um, but, you know, with my background, we make everything from scratch. And also uh, when I go out to eat, I try to be gluten-free and dairy-free. And so when I went to sports bars and being gluten-free, dairy-free was difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and I have friends that are vegans. I have friends that are vegetarians. Uh, you know, I have friends with kids and like all of these things are things that we couldn't go watch a game together because X, Y, and Z. And so I was just like, how, how difficult would it be to make all of these things happen? Not only that, but to represent all the spectrum. So represent meat eaters, you know, greasy food lovers and vegans and children um, and women and men and everyone in between. And it's really, uh, it's really about intentionality. It hasn't, it hasn't really felt that difficult. It's just a little extra effort and a little extra, you know, time to do research or whatever but it pays off um, in the long run by just making people feel at home and feel represented and seen you know which is all things that i never felt when i went to a sports bar yes i just have to thank you for that because you're breaking barriers i'm hoping to see sports bras across the nation if not around the world and and i have to tell you a couple of weeks ago i was at a friend's house at a barbecue and <laughs> and they were asking me oh who are you gonna have on the show you know who's coming up and i was naming some people and then i was like and there's the owner of this new place in portland called sports bra Everybody there knew about this bar already. They're soccer players. <laughs> and two of them were like, oh, we're trying to plan like a field trip to go to this bar. It really is just you're really changing so much for for people across the world. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you about the availability of sports on TV just in general, mm -hmm. because we've already established mm -hmm. that there is an audience for women in sports and for a place like the sports bra. So what about the availability of sports on TV? Are you having trouble filling the hours? Uh, for sure, it started out that way. Absolutely. Um, statistically, 5% of all sports on TV is women's sports. That means 95% of all sports on TV is men's sports. Um, and so that that 5% is what we're focused on. And so our goal is to like take that 5% and blow it up. Don't hide it anymore. Don't make it secondary to men's sports. Um, don't make it like a consolation prize. Like it is the main attraction. Um, and then, you know, when we went public, we had, 
we had a lot of work to do. Um, I feel like it was somebody else's full-time job, but it ended up being my job uh, to go out and reach, uh, reach out to different streaming services, uh, different channels, different uh, networks, and try to figure out who was willing to work with us to get that stuff on our TVs. Um, and, you know, at first it was like, like I described to somebody, it was like cutting through brush with like a knife. It's super rough, but you're making, you're making a path. Um, and hopefully like, you know, whether it's more sports bras coming up that we can buy into a channel or whatever, or other sports bars demanding to have women's sports channels. Um, we're hoping that the avenues become more and more paved as time goes on. But since we're the first, like a lot of places, they were like, literally, it wasn't that they didn't want to do it. It was like, nobody had ever asked them for that content. And so, um, yeah, a lot of them were just like, oh, people want that. And it's like, you know, nobody's asked. So why would they market it? And so it's like this, uh, it's kind of like a vicious cycle or chicken, chicken before the egg situation, um, which is a lot of what the problem in women's sports is like, Nobody wants to invest, quote unquote, nobody wants to invest in women's sports because nobody mm -hmm. thinks that women's sports are unpopular. Nobody's watching it. But how can you invest in something that nobody can see? How can you be a fan of something that you don't know about? And it's just like this whole mm -hmm. thing. And so, you know, again, we we're trying to do that, our little part in um, getting the representation up there. Because again, I feel like there were really only two ways people were um, digesting women's sports. And it was buying a ticket and going to the event which is extremely limited. You have to live in that city. You have to yeah. get a ticket. You have to go there. Um, and then another way was online um, streaming on your device in the, in the comfort of your own home, which is a very private thing. And so when, when companies or networks go out and look for, you know, is women's sports popular, they don't see it happening. You know, um, they don't, they're not on WNBA Twitter looking at everybody just going apeshit over like 100,000 different tweets. Uh, you know, they're just looking at ratings and the ratings are based on 95% men's sports. So it's that vicious cycle. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to like, just add our little, just the first domino, I guess, in a lot of dominoes that hopefully make some kind of a difference in um, representation and uh, the ability for people to gain this fandom and culture around spectatorship for women's sports that I feel like hasn't been tapped into. And men's, men's quote unquote, men's traditional sports bars have been around for over 30 years. So uh, before that, just imagine how many people were watching men's sports, you know, whether it was televised or had the investments in it or whatever. But now there's like a whole culture around going to a sports bar. And that's what I want for women as well. Um, and just, you know, if you can see it, you can be it too. And that's another reason why we're an all ages bar until 10 p.m., um, so that we can have kids in here that can see and normalize girls and women playing on TV and be like, Oh, Oh, I can do this. Or like, Oh, I don't have to give this up when I turn 16 or 17. Like I can be an adult and play professionally. Um, yeah. All of it is, it's, it's just a lot, but I feel like uh, it's like the most simplest way to get to um, get to the heart of, I feel like where there's a lot of issues where there's a lot of tie up. Mm-hmm. Um, just to your point of when you walk into sports bars, Ange and I, we already joked about it, but we go to a lot of bars together, <clears throat> not specifically <laughs> to watch sports, but I feel like anytime I walk into a bar and there's sports on, it would be intimidating for me to ask, 
can you change this to, I don't, women's soccer, women's basketball. It's it just, it just is. And then are you going to get booed out of there? Like there's so many scenarios that kind of go through your head when you want to ask for that. So thankful for your bar um, to just have this going the whole time as, you know, as they're shown. Um, but also I wanted to ask you before we wrap uh, beyond opening weekend, what are some more magical moments that have come from opening this, this spot for you? Uh, you know, it's crazy, but like every day there's something that takes my breath away. It could be a tiny little thing like um, seeing a young girl watching, you know, softball on TV. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, a family that comes in and it's like grandpa all the way down to grandson and everybody's there to support, you know, a women's soccer team that's playing on TV. Like, Every, I feel like there's always these tiny little things that are just beautiful to me. Um, I have guys that come in, like groups of guys coming in, and they tell me why they've stopped watching men's sports. And I'm just like, well, you know, like, I get it. Um, thank you for your support. And thanks for being an ally. Um, some of the more like really special, uh, in like, specific things. Um, we showed Serena Williams last match here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely emotional. I mean, this place was at moments you could hear like a fly buzzing around. And then other moments, like when she would like volley and win and she would let out like her, her warrior roar, like my eyeballs were shaking in my head because it got so loud in here and people came in off the street. We had to leave the door open. People wanted to watch through the windows um, as it got closer and closer to the end, uh, we just absolutely packed it in, in here. And we didn't even care how many people were in here at that time. We just packed it in here. And I, uh, when I started to realize that the end was coming um, for the match to be over, I ran downstairs and got a box of tissues. Uh -huh. And I brought it up because I, I knew I was going to lose it. Um, mm -hmm. But sure enough, like as soon as it was over and she started to like thank her family and talk about Venus and stuff, it was just like everybody was crying in here and just... There was just a lot of emotions. And to me, it felt like I'm not sure there was any other place where like in the world where that was happening in like a very communal sense other than maybe at the U.S. Open and maybe even not, you know, um, like it, it felt like a very special uh, a moment in time. Um, and to speak more recently, uh, I was in D.C., uh, over the weekend to watch the NWSL finals, um, the Portland Thorns um, playing KC. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get invited and watch the game live. And we had a party here um, and we were absolutely packed here. And when the Thorns won, my server called me and did like an Instagram, uh, like half and half situation. I've never seen it before. So I answered it. And on the top half was everyone inside the bra just screaming and cheering and waving uh, into the camera. <laughs> and I just moved the camera and I was inside the stadium and I was showing the field and I waved back and I like blue kisses and I was standing next to the riveters, which is the Portland cheer, like cheer team, like the hardcore cheer team that flew out 4,000 miles to go to this game. And I was standing next to them. And I pointed it around. I could hear people being like, Oh my God, is that the bra? I was like, it's the bra. And they just freaked out. And so like, we just had this moment, like this brief, like 10 second moment of everybody screaming on this, on my screen. And it was just like this very surreal moment where 
I was at the game celebrating live. And then people were here in my bar celebrating the same game live. And that, that shared connection and just that moment, I just feel like, I just feel like every day is a very unique experience here at the bra. Um, and, and I want that for everybody. You know, I want, I don't want that to be a, like just a Portland thing. I, I don't want that to be just a sports bra thing. I want it to be like, I want people to have access to it everywhere. So if more sports bars were showing women's sports, if there were other women's sports bars that open, you know, all of those things, um, it would, be, it would benefit everybody. There's, there's no cons to it. It's all pros. It's a win-win situation when, um, yeah, you expose more and more people to girls and women in sports. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Well, I got to go get my <laughs> tissues. Thanks a lot. I know. <laughs> that was emotional. That's so beautiful. No, uh, Jenny, I'm really glad that I know you're obviously busy, but I'm so glad that you can take in these beautiful moments because just imagine what you are doing for us just across the country right. with, with your intention, with your hard work. It just, you'll never know how much that means to us, even those that aren't in your immediate community. So thank you so much for coming on Bitch Talk. We are coming to see you. I swear we're yes. coming next year. We're going to be there. Uh, we might bartend do. for you. We may yeah. have to move up and then if we'll you need employees. Yeah. <laughs> come through. Come Whether through. You, you guys like don't have to work. Just, just enjoy yourself. We can have a drink together. It would be awesome. No, we awesome. just, yeah, we thank you. Thank you for your intention. Thank you for your, for yep. your big heart and, and for your hard work. And um, yes, we will be seeing you soon. Again, we've been speaking to Jenny Wynn, the owner of the sports bra in Portland, Oregon. We'll see you soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.